Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Lady in Waiting, a tale of Victorian erotica, stuffed bottoms, and sound spankings, written by Devi and Sevi. Take a peek beneath Victorian sheets and knickers. If you enjoy Victorian erotica, dominance, and submission, a servant and her mistress learning the joys of female touch, and a soundly spanked bottom setting off fireworks, this novella delivers the goods. Told in the first person from young servant Charlotte's point of view, we get a peek into the not-so-stuffy lives of the nobility from the servants' quarters. Charlotte has been Lady Emma's maid and companion for only a few months when Lord Darcy begins to court her mistress. While Darcy acts quite the gentleman with Lady Emma, he is not nearly so gentle with Charlotte, rogering her bum every chance he gets. When Charlotte learns her beloved Lady Emma is soon to wed Lord Darcy, she cannot stand the thought of betraying her mistress any longer and comes up with a plan to turn away Lord Darcy's roving hands. It all goes wrong when Lady Emma catches her in the act. That's when everything goes oh so deliciously right. A scorched bottom and many other delights ensue. Lady Emma is a fan of the scientific method and sets out to test her hypotheses about just what will drive her lady's maid over the edge. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Lady in Waiting. Chapter 1 Lord Darcy shares shocking news. After Lord Darcy leaves my room, I lie troubled. My bottom burns from the stretch of his large penis, and the sensation of warm seed trickling slowly out of my relaxed bumhole is ticklish and odd. Lord Darcy delights in shoving his truncheon all the way in, then removing it completely to watch my bottom hole gape open after each withdrawal. He enjoys pushing it all the way back in as deeply as possible in one smooth slide, while he describes the sensations afforded by my tight channel. Tonight, after he spent inside me and slid his cock from my burning bottom, he murmured, "'Such a fine arse you have, girl, tight and hot. It sucks my cock better than a whore's mouth. I shall look forward to keeping it stuffed full after the Lady Emma and I are wed.' I lay frozen with horror at hearing these words, not even reacting when he goosed me before sliding out of the bed. He tidied his clothes and left while I lay still, staring at the ceiling. He and Lady Emma are to wed? Surely that is just wishful thinking on his part. She has been so cold to him. I am Lady Emma's lady's maid and companion, and in front of my lady... Lord Darcy is everything that is proper and gentlemanly, professing his devotion to her and treating me as an almost invisible servant. But when Lady Emma is not around, Lord Darcy ensures that his fingers and his cock occupy my bottom at every opportunity. Despite my dislike of this duplicity and my deepening sense of disloyalty to my mistress, I cannot help making the most embarrassing sounds and spending extravagantly each time he stretches me so deliciously open. Lord Darcy began to pay court six weeks ago. He is considered handsome by many, is wealthy and titled. 
Lady Emma has the audacity not to care about these things. I think it must present something of a challenge to him. A fortnight ago he arrived at Bumley on the sea for a weekend visit, and has been here since. He stays at an inn near Lady Emma's estate, complaining almost daily of the rustic experience. But Lady Emma has not invited him to stay at the manor house, as it would not be proper with only myself and John Coachman to serve as chaperones. The inn is just a ten-minute horse-ride away, so he visits the house each day, and each night Lord Darcy ties his horse in the trees near the servant's entrance and fills me with his hard cock, answering my wanton moans with groans and muttered imprecations. Neither John Coachman, quite deaf at the advanced age of sixty-two, nor Lady Emma, far away from the servant's quarters, hear my cries. How did I come to be in this situation? It is a simple story. Surely not the first or the last time such a thing has happened to someone like me. On one of his first visits to Lady Emma's ancestral home, Lord Darcy spent two hours devotedly wooing her favour, only to be met with seeming indifference. His male vanity fiercely stung, and no doubt suffering from the lack of available doxies in our remote country estate, he decided to take out his sexual frustration on me, a helpless servant. I walked him to the door, as always, when he took his leave of Lady Emma. Only this time, as we passed by the little-used side-parlour, he took my arm and pulled me all a-startle into the room. He closed the door and surveyed the dusty little room, gripping my arm tightly. "'This'll do,' he pronounced. "'What?' I gulped and started again. "'Lord Darcy, what may I do for you?' When I saw the lust in his eyes, I knew what would happen. My heart beat so quickly I felt dizzy. Nervous perspiration dampened my palms. "'You're a comely wench. I'd wager you've been tupped a time or two. What are you, eighteen? Nineteen, my lord,' I stammered. He pulled me towards the faded velvet settee while I answered. "'Good enough. Turn round and bend over. There's a good lass.' Far from bending over, I remained frozen in place, staring at him. Surely he did not mean to take me here, right under Lady Emma's nose. Since coming to work as a lady-in-waiting, I'd been safe from amorous encounters with noblemen who considered any servant fair game. Lady Emma barely has the funds to retain one servant for her needs. She is not in the habit of throwing large galas, indeed does not often entertain even close friends. Much of her time is spent managing the once elegant estate of her ancestral home. I stood paralyzed as Lord Darcy unfastened his breeches and freed a formidably erect manhood. He looked up from fondling himself to see me standing frozen. He spun me around and bent me over the settee, slapping my behind sharply in reprimand, rather like a disobedient horse. He threw my skirts up and pulled down my knickers. The cool air flowed over my exposed buttocks. "'God's blood, girl, you've got a fine arse!' he exclaimed. I blushed and bent my head in shame and fright. Shame? Yes, shame, because my nether regions had begun to moisten at his forceful treatment. I entertained not even the vaguest thought of protest. I tried to hold on to the thought that he could surely get me fired if I objected, but I could not lie to myself. If I truly did not want this... I could have struggled and gotten away. 
The shameful truth was that my cunny had begun juicing the instant he slapped my behind. I lay obediently still while he ran his hands over my bottom, even spreading my legs farther apart. It had been months since a man's cock filled me up. I ached in lust at the thought of being taken. His hands, smooth with a lifetime of pampering, spread my cheeks apart. I could feel his eyes burning into me as he studied my exposed cleft. He bent closer and his breath feathered over my clenching flesh. "'Don't want to spawn any brats. I've got enough of those running around. Guess we'll go about this a little differently.' he announced in a tone of such practicality we might have been discussing what course to serve for dinner. I felt a large gob of spittle land between my cheeks, then flinched when his fingers rubbed it into my tender rectum. Two fingers thrust in almost immediately, leaving me breathless with the sudden fullness. I gasped a protest into my upflung cotton skirts. He paid no heed. "'Don't pretend you've never done this before.' I can tell you've been had back here a time or ten. Just relax, there's a good girl, and I'll have you begging for it. I flinched again, feeling a burning stretch when he added a third finger. I knew from my brief glimpse of his organ that even three fingers would scarcely prepare me. My pussy dripped with juices, as it always did when a man played with my bottom. He noted the wetness as his fingers withdrew once again. "'Ah, such a wet slut you are. Who would have thought?' he crowed, and gathered wetness from my channel, then pushed his lubricated fingers back inside my rectum, twisting his wrist slowly, while I quivered at the sensation. Evidently deciding I had been prepared enough, he rubbed his truncheon through my wet cleft. I half hoped he would be tempted to slide inside, for surely it would be easier to take his massive penis there. But no— he was determined to feel the grip of my bottom. A moment later, he pressed the head against my tight opening, larger than anything I'd yet accommodated. The steady pressure began to prevail. I struggled desperately to relax as the burning pain increased. With a sudden shove, the knob and several inches of his thickly veined shaft popped inside. "'Ah, no! Please, my lord, have mercy!' I gabbled. The aching fullness made me feel as though I might lose control of my bowels. Even through the discomfort, I thrilled to be stuffed so full. I heard him chuckle darkly. Have mercy, is that really what you want, wench? From the way you're gripping me, I think you want something else. So saying, he thrust into his balls. A truncheon in truth was lodged in my bottom. I gasped out loud, half expecting to feel his buggering cock in my throat. He paused a moment to allow me to grow accustomed to the solid presence, but the tight grip was too much for him, and he began pushing and pulling, building a steady momentum as the way grew easier. The sensation of a hard, thick cock filling me so completely makes me quite wet. He groaned to hear the slippery sounds and reached around to play with my pearl. His thrust sped up. "'bollocks slapping heavily against my defenseless cunny with each forward stroke. "'I gave myself over to the sensations, thrusting back at him. "'It has always been thus for me, since the Lady Beatrice's husband first seduced me into sodomy a year ago. "'I've since spent hours kneeling in prayer to the Virgin, "'asking her to remove this sinful weakness from my body. "'It is no use.' 
Each time my back passage is invaded and filled to bursting, I juice more hotly than any dockside whore. Neither Lord Darcy nor I lasted more than a few moments. He held my hips, the shaft invading my narrow channel, opening me deeply. He rubbed my pearl in time, circling round the sensitive nub, and tipped me over just before he came in great heaving thrusts far inside me. Lord Darcy pulled out and wiped his spent cock on my skirts, slapped my bum one last time, and took his leave. I lay gasping for a moment over the back of the settee, my nether regions throbbing. My only consolation was that no one knew what had happened, and he was unlikely to return, given Lady Emma's rejection of his advances. I slowly set my clothing to rights and slipped to my rooms to wash, my bottom throbbing pleasurably with each step. My mistress, reading in the solarium, remained oblivious to the entire event— "'Of course I could not tell Lady Emma. "'She would surely blame me for this transgression, "'as had my last employer. "'That she seemed indifferent to Lord Darcy's attentions "'was my only solace. "'I maintained hope for many, many days "'that surely, when she continued cold towards him, "'he would give up and leave for the city. "'I believe my mistress to be the most beautiful woman "'in all of England. "'Her lustrous, waist-length raven hair— Fine brown eyes and deliciously rounded figure delight my eyes afresh each day. However, Lord Darcy is the first man to pay court to her in several years. Until now she has been considered quite firmly on the shelf. A rich, entitled nobleman could have any woman he wanted. Why would he continue to woo an impoverished, overly educated noblewoman no longer in the first bloom of youth? I am in a panic at the thought of Lord Darcy married to the Lady Emma. It would be unbearable to curtsy and serve him tea each morning, knowing what he will do to me each night. Am I not powerless to affect events as a lowly servant? I was dismissed without references for my last position when the lady caught her husband buggering me in the linen closet. It didn't matter that as their servant I had no way of refusing his advances— I am afraid even to hint to the Lady Emma that he behaves improperly, especially as I have never refused his attentions. I was fortunate to find employment with Lady Emma, whose advert for a lady's maid specified someone who could read, make tea, converse intelligently, and enjoy rusticating in the countryside. She took me on without references and without demanding an explanation because, as she said, "'You're healthy,' "'You have a good head on your shoulders, "'and you're willing to work for the pittance I can pay. "'Lady Beatrice has always been a petty, silly woman. "'I'm sure whatever happened, she overreacted.' "'This response sums up Lady Emma's straightforward approach to life. "'She makes her own decisions and expects others to as well. "'Over the past months, I have developed a fierce devotion to her, "'not least because of her willingness to give me a fresh start "'and treat me as an interesting person with thoughts and opinions.' lying there, sleepless, thinking of their impending marriage, wishing there was a way I could turn his attentions away from me, I suddenly recalled a neighbor from my childhood. Maud had used to make potions and spells for the superstitious villagers. I remembered a legend she told the village children about the powers of orchids, exotic flowers imported from a faraway land. None of the villagers had even seen an orchid, not even Maud, so she described them in fanciful terms. 
Maud told us that orchids have the power to create gentleness, delicacy, and romance. She related the legend of a poor maidservant, desperate to escape the unwanted attentions of a prince. She wanted only to marry her true love, the prince's bodyguard. So she wove a magical belt of her beloved's hair and orchids. The next time the prince tried to force his attentions on her, the power of her love for her beloved, combined with the power of the orchids, rendered him impotent. Mum always said that the more we believe in something, the more real it becomes. I am desperate to believe, and Lady Emma has a solarium full of orchids. Lady Emma's father took her on many archaeological digs when she was a child. Although these digs were responsible for draining the estate of much of its wealth, she has never expressed anything but delight in her childhood. She brought back many exotic treasures, including a dozen orchid species. She has told me about her work to develop new breeds from these dozen plants over the last ten years. Now the solarium is full of exotic plants. I slowly rise from my bed, a plan forming in my tired mind, a plan for how to stop the vigorous nighttime attentions of Lord Darcy. It is very late, and the entire house is asleep. Tonight I will sneak into the solarium and gather delicate blossoms. I shall sample several of her plants, as I am uncertain which one is most powerful, and then I shall creep into my mistress's room to claim a few lockets of her glorious hair. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Lady in Waiting. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.